Terika Strozier is fueled by cocktails and trap music. Look, I cannot tell you how much I love her brand. It's upfront and no holds barred, just like her. Today, we're talking about the trend of piecemealing brand design to make more money. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Critically Conscious Coach, where coaches and consultants know the importance of deeply connecting with prospects, showing up in an authentic and joyful way, and inviting those people to become lifelong clients to exceed their sales goals. But most coaches are afraid to market themselves because they've been taught to use cookie-cutter marketing tactics and unethical sales approaches, when in reality, your prospect just wants a real emotional connection and amazing results. Therefore, get ready to unlearn and market yourself authentically through asking insightful questions, making better business decisions, practicing self-acceptance, and doing sales the right way. Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode on The Critically Conscious Coach. I'm your host, Ruthie, and I'm also the founder of Defy the Status Quo, which focuses on client advocacy for businesses who hire business service professionals, as well as those serving those same business service professionals by helping them build ethical and aligned businesses. And it is my absolute pleasure to say that I have Terika Strozier with me again today. So Terika, thank you for joining me again. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to be here. Let's, it's silly here. You know, we got silly energy. It's a Friday. You know, it's, we had technical difficulties getting started. Like it gets silly here, <laughs> you know, and that's the way that I like it, especially considering a lot of the things that we end up talking about are things that people maybe would rather not face, maybe. And so I had been meaning to have Terika on the podcast for a while, oh, yeah. but then she wrote a Facebook post that I was like, that's it. That was, that's what I want to talk to her about. That's something she's going to bring some heat on. That's what I want to talk about. So before we dive in and I share the question, we always have pretty much one question for these deep dive episodes. I'm going to share a few sentences with y'all from that Facebook post that she wrote. So these are her words. I copied and pasted. That's all. Visual identity does nothing if your position and messaging are off and if you don't even know where you stand in the market you serve. It's like I told Chrissy Reese the other day, another podcast guest. <laughs> it's like a hot chick. It looks good until she opens her mouth and then you are so confused about why the outside doesn't match what's inside. There is a time and a place for everything, including that $50 logo. But if you want to create a solid foundation, get clarity, truly build a connection, and continue trust with your audience, connect the outside to the inside, then invest in branding and know that it is not just a logo. And so the big question that came to me after I read the post, because there's more there, but I didn't want to ruin the surprise. But the big question that came to me is, how can designers and brand professionals meet people where they are and serve but in an ethical manner. And while the question is specific to designers and brand professionals, for anybody listening, know that there are lessons here for all of us, which is why we're even discussing it. But that's the question. How can designers and brand professionals meet people where they are and serve ethically? Okay, so I feel like the answer to this is a little like twofold. So the first part, I think as, we'll say service providers, designers, whatever, it needs to start at you like you need to be aware of your strengths 
of where you like really want to serve people and not just a money grab. So that's like number one. Okay. So actually what does the money grab look like? So that way we could just set the (laughs) stage for people, right? Like from the brand perspective, what you've seen, what does the money grab look like? Cause we're talking piecemealing brand design all to make a buck. How do I know that I'm getting piecemealed just to pay this person's, you know, internet bill or whatever? So for me, at least like what I've seen is the piecemealing looks like you will see someone who just starts to to me, it's all of a sudden out the blue. I'm a designer. You need exactly what I have. The numbers are always outrageous. It's like, oh, buy my $10,000 brand design thing. And it's like, whoa, okay, well, let me see a little bit. Well, you can't find anything from the person. They started like last year. And don't get me wrong. Everyone doesn't have to have a formal education. Self-taught is a viable way to go. And there are some amazingly talented self-taught designers out there. But you can't go from zero to a hundred real quick. Like it, it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> okay. I've been doing this a year and you're going to give me $10,000. Right. Or you have people who, and I know from the outside looking in, this is difficult, but you will see someone who literally copies someone else's work. They will adopt someone else's style, put a switch on and be like, Ooh, that's mine. I also have a, issue when it comes to brand strategy and people who have like these 45 page documents that are full of utter freaking fluff like it is the fluffiest shit it does not matter if your person drinks starbucks five you know five times a week and and likes yoga and goes to orange theory and you know lives in you know redondo beach like who cares who cares? Are you going to duplicate this person? It's not like step for one. Unless you plan on sending those people Christmas presents, <laughs> birthday <laughs> presents, you don't need to know. Like, I mean, who's going to be mad if you send them a Starbucks gift card? Like, I don't feel like that's a very serious differentiating like, not at all. note. This person likes Starbucks. <laughs> not at all. But you will see a lot of strategy that is, the bulk of it is just that. When you really look through it, you can't even understand what you're reading. You can't understand how to apply it. I mean, there's going to be some parts of it that maybe make you go, "Ooh, this is a little heavy. And then that should be a designer's job to help facilitate that transition into this new identity that they've created for you. But the rest of that, like the really long people who are really verbose, you ask them direct questions, they can't really answer it. They're giving you these really fluffy answers. Oh, you just need this, this, and this. That's like red flag, just move away. (laughs) Move away from that. Because to me at the core, you need to be effectively saying, okay, look, as a designer, I see you. This is where I see you're at. This is where I see you can go. This is what I can do for you. If people cannot tell you that succinctly, it takes them 30 minutes to tell you that, you know, run, don't walk. (laughs) Like just run, don't walk. Don't spend your money on that. And then I always say too, um, and you kind of pulled it from my post, is that there's a time for $50 logos. There's a time for getting your stuff on Etsy. There's a time for DIYing. You don't need to go spend $5,000 when you just started and you really don't even know your person. Please, people, don't spend $5,000 at the beginning. Don't do that. 
Here we go. Here we go. And I just want to highlight that. This is a phrase I actually got from the bro marketing coaches, which is ironic because this phrase applied to them and them letting me into the program, right? But paying $5,000 at the beginning for like this big brand design package is out of sequence. That was the phrase that they used for stuff where people, yeah, out of sequence for where you're at. Yeah. But but you still have to pay them $5,000. $9,800. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's why yeah. it's out of sequence. It was out of more. sequence. And then when they asked for another 18000 that was also out of sequence. But again, that's that false exclusivity for you. I only let in special people and everyone is special if they have money. So Exactly. But that's what they said is they would say it was out of sequence. So I want to highlight that, though, because we had another guest on, Shannon Bussey, who was talking about how people's marketing, if it makes you feel any type of shame, right? And I would say this applies to the sales process, too. Like, you can be a little sad, maybe, that you can't move forward with something right now, but you should not be ashamed. And I feel like when we talk about things like logos Mm -hmm. and brand design, there are a lot of brand folks out here, like, they will be dragon people like they will take a logo they just put off of instagram and like dragon folks but you're like but that's where that person is at right now and Mm -hmm. if they're making money right now for where they're at in their business what gives you the right to drag them for doing the best with what they have at this current time like you know this you've probably seen it in some of the groups that you're in but the whole well i just got off the phone with somebody Mm -hmm. and they wouldn't buy my ten thousand dollar program and they're just gonna keep being out there looking a hot mess oh well and you're just like really that's such a good point it's more common than not and you know when i say this i don't get it because i don't think you should ever treat someone like that but you have this expert opinion you look at something it's like you know you have some really experienced programmer you know or something looking at this little code that i janked together you know they're gonna look at it like "Mm, okay but at the same point you really truly have to meet people where they're at and give people the grace to evolve and grow. And at some point we start, I literally, you know, guys, if this was visual, if I showed you the logo that I created when I started my stationary business in 2011, I look at it and I cringe. But when I designed it, it was amazing. You couldn't tell me nothing. Okay. I had done it. I was official, right? I had used my design chops. This is great, right? Fire. But there's an evolution to where I'm at, you know, at this point, 11 years later, and to show what, you know, my branding looks like now, it's completely different. I had to fall. I had to lose a lot. I just learned so many lessons and I grew my design ability. I grew to know myself more and who I wanted to serve more. So my branding reflected that. You don't know that at the beginning. So to me, unless you're like a startup that is derived from some really solid industry professionals who already know what they want to do and what they want to create, then sure, spend the 10, 15, whatever it costs you to get your branding together and started. And then you're out to market because you already know. Right. Very few people are there. That's so, a fact. Very few people are there. 
That's a fact. That's yeah. a fact. That's a really good point. Paying attention to where you're at in your phase of your growth and realizing, right? Like, even so as the professionals, that's something I think we can all remember as well when we're talking to prospects. Like if they are at the very, very beginning, in addition to maybe not having the funds or whatever, and the nature of their business, if the nature of their business is a bit more fluid, i.e. like an online business, I could change things tomorrow and be like, I'm a freelance writer again, everybody. Right. Like I could change everything tomorrow if I wanted to. Just use the Wayback Machine and go look at what my old website used to say, right? Like I could change everything if I wanted to tomorrow. And that's online businesses for you. Like it's very fluid versus something that's, you know, got products and brick and mortar and and stuff that tends to be, you know, kind of how it sounds. It's a bit more, you know, solid and a bit more, it's, it's less fluid, you know, it's more rigid. That's the word. Okay. So now we've set the stage, right? For this piecemealing, right? Where you're, you know, either they're asking you for a really big offer or, and I think this is the one that I have seen is like, they're like, oh, let's do this. Mm-hmm. And then this will solve your problem. But then you get the thing, whatever the widget thing is that they're selling you that was going to solve your problem. And you find out that actually that wasn't going to solve your problem. This this thing, this thing will solve your problem now. And so you pay for that. But then it turned out it wasn't that thing either. It was this thing that was going to solve. Right. So that's another thing I think I've seen. <laughs> yeah. So this piecemealing design to me feels very indicative of this learning kind of circle that people go through we see in the online business space where you take that course but it only teaches you step one and two so you have to buy the other course and then the next course and the next course it's the same thing in design but from that kind of as they say that thirty thousand foot view the individual knows what you need but rather than being honest and saying okay hey this is what you really need and it may cost you 15 grand Okay, cool. I understand you don't have 15 grand. Let's make this affordable and and an approachable kind of process. And I'm going to chunk it out. Right. And then it's going to be in pieces of three thousand dollars and it may take you X amount of time. Most people would say, you know what? I appreciate that. I'm either on board or I'm not. But they have the knowledge to make that informed decision. When you take the knowledge away, And you intentionally sell them on this is going to be the best thing and you're going to get out there and you're going to get clients and then you get it and it's crickets. You go back and it's like, it didn't work. They're like, oh, it didn't work because your messaging wasn't together. So that's going to be a separate service and that's going to cost you another $1,500. Okay, well, I'm already in it. I'm I'm in the weeds. Okay, throw that at me too. Sure. Okay, pay you another $1,500 and you do it okay, I put this together. I got a client. Yay. I'm still confused. And I don't really understand what I'm doing. Oh, well, you need my retainer offer so that you can have access to me, you know, and then it keeps, it's ongoing. And I get it. It's easier to retain a client than to acquire a new one, but give people the information and treat them as an adult, like you would want to be treated. Like, I mean, let's go back to five, treat people the way you want to be treated, the golden rule. But really, truly give people that information and let them make that informed decision rather than trying to just see them as a dollar sign. And you're just another way to get money in my pocket so that I can pay my bills, go on my trip, do whatever the heck I'm going to do. Well, and like there's a difference between retaining clients because it makes sense from a business perspective to retain them and stringing them along. And that what we've just described is actually just stringing them along. Are you retaining them or are you stringing them along? And for anybody listening, please don't think that we're like, oh, Ascension models are terrible, but 
because I, I don't think that an ascension model is bad, but this again is not, this isn't an ascension model. This is like stringing people along. It's like if you went to get a massage and you paid, right? And you make them pay every time they want to move on to another body part. Like, just sell them a foot massage and be done. So they know that this is a foot massage. Yes. But you are the spa. So you also (laughs) have the ability to be like, hey, you want a $5,000 girl's day, you and like three of your besties, full everything, cucumbers on the eyes, plush drinks. That's the whole thing, right? Like, so as the as the client, I can I can know I can come for a foot massage and maybe you'll rub up on my calf muscle a little bit as a little extra extra. Or I can have girls day at the spa so it's available right and maybe maybe before i pay before i pay for girls day though you know what i get first the foot massage to make sure y'all know what you're doing because that's how i that's how i feel like the ascension model works best is like let's intro here before the commitment is you know financially high as well as time high and then i find out that not only do i have your dollars, but I also have to interface with you a lot. Turns out we don't even really like each other that much, which we could have found out (laughs) at a lower price point at a less lower time commitment. So I just wanted to be clear that there's a difference there. Like with an ascension model, you can ascend, you know, interfacing and time and, and all of that. And like the amount that goes into something without stringing somebody along and making them believe that this low level offer is what's going to solve their problem. The big problem they think they have, i.e. like brand cohesion on the internet. This thing that costs me $150 is going to solve my entire brand cohesion problem. Yeah, definitely not. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's it's going to help you tighten things up a little bit. But your brand cohesion problem is a whole beast. And it may not, and like you said, it may not be something that you are in a position to completely solve right now. But if this is where you're at and this is the investment that makes sense, in this case, something would be better than nothing. For those high quality information products, those high quality lower end services, something tends to be better than nothing. Yeah, exactly. But that kind of, like you said, that stringing along is I think works to the detriment of the industry as well. Then I have, and I've had so many clients, I've had people who I just chatted with who are like, I will, I never want to touch a designer again because someone did me wrong five years ago. They burned me, right? They told me that they were going to like solve this. They didn't solve it. And then I kept kind of, like you said, this ascension model, I kept going up and then they ghosted me or they never gave me my files. And then it makes it even more difficult for the other designers who were in it. Like, I'm giving you exactly what you asked for. I'm probably going over and beyond. I really serve these people. And everybody's like, I am not touching y'all with a 10 foot pole. You know, if I do, I'm gonna do it myself, or I'm gonna go. And when I say this, no shame, but I'm gonna go to Fiverr and just pay somebody $30. So if they like ghost me, I'm good, right? I just spent 30 bucks. I didn't spend $3,000 and you ghosted me. Okay. Or didn't give me what I, what you, what you sold to me. Yeah. And I mean, that makes sense. It makes sense. And and so I will say with that mindset, because we all, we all have it from some things, right? Like it took me a long time to get over how angry I was at, (laughs) at those business coaches. And as a result, that translated to anger and bitterness towards pretty much all business coaches. Like I was like, fuck y'all. 
y'all are terrible. <laughs> like, I cannot even tell all, yeah. all of you. Like, as a rule, blanket rule, all of you are dumb and stupid and terrible. And I cannot tell you how many TikToks exist on my TikTok feed of me just like, boo, coaches. Like, <laughs> tomatoes, tomatoes, tomatoes. I'm throwing tomatoes. <laughs> And that was all. Like, I was just like, fuck these guys. Like, they got almost 30000 of my dollars. But eventually, though, I had to process that and come out of it. And so it ended up being that it wasn't everybody. But that's uh, just a note, though. Like, if you have that mindset of whether it's coaches, like business coaches, whether it's designers, maybe it's a website developers, maybe website developer did you dirty back in the day or whatever it was, you have to be careful about that because the brain as a survival mechanism looks to survive by trying to predict the future based on the past. Yeah. That's rough. Because we didn't have electricity in the past. You know, right? We didn't have sewers and plumbing. We didn't have none of that stuff in the past. But here we are. So, you know, it's not that you don't have lessons that you learned, but as you're applying these things to your present and, and potentially looking towards the future, make sure that you are comparing apples to apples and not apples to oranges. And you're like, well, it's both designers. Okay. But you've noted the fact what's the same about these designers. What's different about them? Exactly. What's different about these designers to prove to your brain that you are dealing with something else, right? So don't get trapped by your brain wanting to take the past and apply it as like an overlay to the future. That was like, I learned that in a psychology class recently. I mean, I kind of knew it, but the way that mm-hmm. they wrote it where they were like, yeah, your brain's just trying to predict the future by pulling up information. I was like, that's fascinating. That's <laughs> fascinating. And the root cause of a lot of things, but okay. So kind of transitioning there. Cause we're kind of making that like, that's one thing a client could do is like, yeah. if you've had a bad experience, what's different about this person? So back to the original question, what can the yeah. designers and brand professionals do to meet people where they're at and serve ethically, whether that's through smaller offers or whatever, but how can they do that in an ethical way and not the stringing along way? What does that look like? So I'll use myself, for example, I know exactly who my person is, right? So almost everybody who comes to me has been in business somewhere between one and a half to three years. They've sold it. They've had people and they're at this point. Never, you know, like the, like the game, never will I ever, never have I ever, will I go to a business owner to just start it and sell them a brand that's being disingenuous. That is piecemealing. Cause I know that they don't know their people yet. And that's making a very big assumption, but I'm meeting you where you at. And that is eight times out of 10, you know, the rule, there's an exception to everything, but I'm not going to go there and tell them that knowing that they need to have this experience, they need to sell, they need to find this place for us to truly meet where I can serve them best. That is to me. So as a designer, realize where your people are, realize where you can truly serve them best. Like my skills are like, I mean, I'm the shit with this thing. And sell from that place. Can you make it more affordable? Yes. Can you try different offers? Sure. But you're not then trying to sell to somebody that doesn't even realize and you know it's not even at that place to truly get that value. And you know you're doing them a disservice. And yet you're like, it's fine. As we say, something is better than nothing. It's better than they would have got on Fiverr. It's better than they would have got on Etsy. So I'm going to sell them this thing. And then, you know what? I'm going to make it a little higher because, you know, I should get my change too. It's going to be 500. 
that's fine. It's cheaper than working with me. You already know that you what you're doing and you choose to do something different anyway. And that is my biggest kind of, you know, issue with like other designers is sell your shit on where you are and let other people serve people at different places. You ain't got to have your hands in all the buckets just because you can. Well, and I think that's where we get into kind of almost the collaborative nature versus like a competitive nature like if i know that i serve people at a certain level and and you serve people at a different level and somebody's coming to me and it's just like oh like yeah this is not this isn't it but i can refer you to one of you know my colleagues if you will that's a better experience for everybody because i think because look first of all I'm a type three mm-hmm. on the Enneagram. I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram, but that's the achiever personality. I like to win, yeah. right? So I have taken on mm-hmm. clients that that were not the best fit, or I took on a client <laughs> and then like the leadership changed. I had that happen. Oh, leadership yeah. changed and then they became no not a good fit because of the leadership yep. change. But I love to win. I'm like, yay, got a new client. Yeah. But when you ignore the red flags and not just the client red mm-hmm. flags, the flags on your end that say that you are not the good yes. fit, now you got to do the work. Yes. Now you got to do the work. And you're, and it's you're like, resentful it's, at that point because you don't even want to do yeah. it because you're like, I hate these people. Why did I say yes? So I tell people all the time, right. be okay with saying no. It's good to tell somebody no. Yeah. It's good to say, you know what? We're not a good fit. Like you said, a referral, this person is a better fit for you. And if you want to give them a reason, you can do that. And it's okay to not have a reason and just say we're not a good fit. And if you have a, you know, a good referral, give them that. Or if you don't say we're not a good fit, thank you for your time. And, you know, I'm not going to waste even more of our time and like have a good day. We're adults. (laughs) Yes. And like thinking about that phrase, though, good fit. Yeah. When you take on a client who is not a good fit. That's like putting on shoes that don't fit, Mm -hmm. right? And if they they have paid you thousands of dollars, that's likely a longer term engagement that's very high touch. Mm -hmm. That's like, that's the difference between, oh, I'm just going to look cute in these shoes for like an hour and I have to look cute in these shoes for hours. And by the time it's done, like this is making me think (laughs) of army ruck marches. This is making me think of army ruck marches. Now I had, I had my blisters. I had my blisters, but we had people whose like whole bottoms of their feet was falling off. Like had to go, like they couldn't walk anymore. Had to go be seen because the army is terrible at fitting people for boots. Yep. And it's like, was it worth all that, that you have now lost the bottoms of your metaphorical feet working with these people (laughs) who were not a good fit? Not at all. (laughs) Some of the grossest stuff I think I've ever seen, mostly because your foot is has so much feeling in it. So, like, looking at it, I'm imagining it on my feet. I'm like, I think I almost would have rather, like, my feet been burned than to have walked them off. Like, right. And then for the person, and almost we've all been at this point, I love the analogy. You do that, you get through it, and then you look at those pair of shoes with utter disdain. And, like, I'm throwing these shit out the window. I never want to touch a shoe that looks like that again, right? Because all you yeah. can think of is the discomfort and the pain and how like just un like unaligned it was. You're just like, oh, this, I can't do it. I won't do it. So I'm like, why even save yourself that whole thing and be like, you know what? 
when you put them shoes on and you wiggle your toe and realize that like your big toe hit it and you can't move it, you need to give it back because they don't fit, right? <laughs> like this. They don't fit. Or like your pinky toe is rubbing or something. <laughs> yeah. Like like you've had people who run like marathons, right? And like lose toe nails. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like fit is so important. I ran a couple half marathons, did not lose any toenails. I paid attention to that. I was like, y'all ain't about to have me out here looking a particular type of way. Like I'm keeping my toenails. Do these shoes fit? Like I got professionally fitted running shoes. I was like, no, you're not about to fool. Like (laughs) mama did not raise a fool on that regard. So this has been amazing. I think this is so important because we talk a lot about how we appear online and that includes a lot of different things. And one of those things is the brand. And I think what we run the risk of, right? Because we say brand is important, but on the other hand, if it's out of sequence for you to invest thousands of dollars, like you don't even have the capital for it. You're running up a personal credit card or whatever, thousands of dollars. What's more important than that is your ability to understand a problem and solve it for your potential clients. Can you solve their problem? Which means, can you sell the fact that you can solve their problem and leave happy clients in your wake? When you're able to do that on a consistent basis and you reach a certain amount of income, it becomes, it makes a lot more sense to look at how you can invest in your brand. So I guess like the big takeaway for me is like, let me research what's appropriate at the level of business that I'm at. How can I invest in my brand? How can I invest in my marketing and my sales process and my fulfillment process? What makes sense at the, at my level where I'm at right now instead of doing things out of sequence? Because what you will end up with is a beautiful brand that's probably going to change next month because, because you're changing next month and not yep. much else. I mean, that's spot on. And that's, I get that from not just designers. I get it from other consultants, from coaches. And it is a trend. They said, I'll start with someone in six months. I no longer want to do this. And pivoting is okay. A lot of us can pivot within the same brand, maybe in how we offer it, what we offer, restructuring a little bit. Yeah. But most of these people are like, I'm burning this whole thing down, right? I don't want none of it. And I'm starting over. And then you spent so much money into a brand that you won't use. Now, I will give this disclaimer If you are in, let's say, a product, you know, if you're in e-commerce, it looks a little different. You know, there is an investment up front, like you just pay for materials and Mm -hmm. cost and and everything else. So is your website. It needs to function at a certain level in order for you to take orders and fulfill and do things. So, yes, for those people, they're probably going to make that investment a lot quicker because they're also probably going to test this product a lot earlier than we do when we provide services. So just know it's a little different when you work in those arenas. That's a really good point. And yeah, I mean, when you have that type of business, you've also probably got a bit of capital as well because you have to make those investments, like you said. Exactly. So it it becomes critical and a non-negotiable, whereas, and this is something I've talked about before, but then a lot of service businesses don't have any capital. So like, and they're just ruining their their credit scores. So, okay. So- This has been a really, really good episode. It's always refreshing to talk to you. And it's funny because I mentioned Chrissy in the beginning when I read what your post. I feel very much the same about her. But when I talk to you and like I ask a question, I know, I don't know what I'm going to get, but I know the nature of what I'm going to get. Right. So it's like, if any of you guys reach out to Terika, don't ask no questions you don't actually want answers to. 
Exactly. But at the same time, don't be afraid to ask questions. I'm just saying that's like some internal soul searcher for you. Don't ask questions you don't want the answers to. That's all. Right. And that's on radical authenticity. <laughs> but Terika, thank you so much for joining me and, and being here. And, and you're the third guest that we've had. No, fourth guest that we've had since the rebrand. And, you know, in a way, I think that that's part of the reason why I held off. I knew for a while I wanted to rebrand, but it's like it when I had you on and we were talking about this stuff, I, I wanted to be on the other side of the rebrand because this is it. Like these are the types of conversations that embody what it is that I'm trying to put out into the world. So thank you so much for being a part of that. I'm happy to be here. I, I'm happy to see the rebrand. It's so fitting. It feels like so you and I think that we all need a little bit more of Ruthie in the world. So keep doing this. <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody. If you want to follow Terika, we've got her links down in the show notes. And if that's you just want to lurk on her pages for a while, get to know her. If you feel like you do need to reach out, you've got some questions. She won't bullshit you. So just go ahead. Don't be worried about that. Because keep in mind, the podcast is invite only. So these are people that I would like absolutely trust. When it's not out of sequence for me, these are the people that I'm going to. So <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. And again, share with anybody that it'll be relevant to. Hit subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. What did you think of today's episode with Terika? Have you had an experience like what she described, this piecemealing of services to the detriment of the client? Let us know using our SpeakPipe voicemail inbox using the link in the show notes or by going to www.defythestatusquo.com and just scrolling down a little bit. No downloads are necessary. I look forward to hearing from you.